0: Podcasting simultaneously from H-Town and the City of Angels, welcome to another episode of the aptly named podcast about no topic and extreme specificity. I'm Josh, along with my co-host and resident buffin Dan, say hi to the folks, Dan. Hello. Today, we are talking about televisions and all of the wonderful things that come along with them, because TVs these days are more than just a piece of furniture or a glass tube in a box. They are, well, they're still a piece of furniture, but they're more of a work of art these days. Um, So, Dan, do you want to take us away?
1: Yeah. So, I guess, first off, televisions are complicated. There are lots of brands. There are lots of sizes. There are lots of models and classes. And... If you don't know what you're looking for, you can get a pretty me- mediocre TV or you can get a pretty great TV for the money. So, I think the first we'll the first thing we'll talk about is the types of the panels. So, the TV, uh, well, modern TVs are essentially panels with a couple of ports on them. And the panel I think is the most important thing And then probably the uh, built-in signal processing for the video inputs. So, there are three main types. There's VA, which has pretty good contrast, pretty good blacks. Um, The viewing angles aren't usually the best, though. There's IPS, which I think LG actually owns the rights to that term. Um, but it has very good viewing angles, but not very good black levels or contrast. And then there's OLED or OLED, organic LED, which has the best contrast and response time, but a limited peak brightness, and it can sometimes actually burn in or wear out the pixels if there's a lot of static content that appears on the screen for a long time. Uh, Josh, you and I both have VA type panels. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm pretty happy with mine. Um, fortunately for me, I don't have to worry about the viewing angles because I'm the only one watching it. Um, I think if I were to have a larger dedicated home theater room, I might look at a large OLED or a projector or something. Uh, But overall, I've been very happy with my 2018 TCL 6 series. Um, And then you just got a Hisense A6G, I think it was.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, that's the one.
1: And like I said, both of them are VA panels. Uh, Yours is a little bit bigger than mine. Mine's a 55 and yours is a 60. They're both... Know, pretty reasonable sizes for most people, I would say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're both 4K resolution. Um, mine would have a little better contrast and, and black level because it has what's called full array local dimming or FALD. So essentially, um, the VA panels have a, a matrix. Or a screen of pixels that change colors, and then they have a backlight behind it. With full array local dimming, there are specific zones for the backlight that can dim themselves or brighten themselves depending on what content is on screen. So if you have a really high contrast image with like a sun in an upper corner and then, you know, a dark area on the opposite corner, it can actually make the specific zone around the sun really bright and the rest of the screen relatively dark. So I really enjoy the contrast and the high brightness level. Uh, It's to the point where if I'm, you know, watching planet Earth or or something like that and there's a uh, really bright scene with a sun in it, I actually have to kind of squint because it's so bright. It's like a flashlight. Um, which I enjoy that's something that a projector or an OLED would struggle to give you uh, mm-hmm. but I really like that kind of thing um, when I'm watching widescreen content I'm really happy with the black levels so the black bars above and below the image aren't you know, grey they're actually black uh, is it pretty good on yours Josh?
0: i was i was gonna say um you know making the switch from my old tv was an ips panel uh, and and now i have the va panel i actually specifically bought the 60 inch model of this tv because pretty much every other size of this tv uses an ips panel But for whatever reason i since decided to make the 60 inch with a va panel not really sure why they decided to do that um but it works out for me because I get a bigger TV and a better panel. Um, but I've noticed um, the blacks are a lot. They don't have the, I believe they call it black banding or color banding, where you get like you know you can see the different like colors or like the blacks kind of look a little pixely with like some of it's black and then others is kind of just like a really dark gray. Um, but I don't I don't really notice that anymore on this TV. The blacks are you know true blacks, um, and the the picture is a lot crisper and better because of the higher contrast Uh, like you said the lower viewing angle isn't really that big of an issue because it's usually just you know me and Tara just sitting on the couch right in front of the tv watching the tv not you know and even you know from the kitchen which I can still see the tv from the kitchen I don't really notice that much of a difference so the viewing angle really isn't that bad
1: yeah I think the panel on mine was relatively bad for viewing angles once you get off axis the colors really start to change um but it's not a big deal for me uh but i'm
0: actually what what was that dan
1: uh one thing i have noticed on mine is that it does have some issues with color banding and color consistency so if you have like a solid white screen it almost looks like it's dirty even though it's not. Um, and that's just because, like, the the color and the backlighting is not perfectly consistent across the whole screen. So there's, like, areas that are slightly grayer than others. And then uh, I have seen some issues with, like, color gradients. Like, if you have a very fine delineation between lots of different colors... Um, which on 4K HDR content, there are you know, there's a huge number of colors in between two major colors, if that makes any sense. So that gradient is very fine resolution, and this panel sometimes struggles with that a little bit, and I start to see some, some, uh, some little banding, or I see some, some uh, backlight zone bloom sometimes too. But uh, overall, I'm still pretty darn happy with it. Um, In 2019, it was a $500 TV, and I would say it's it's still pretty well worth it to me. Uh, I would look at uh, updating some of the features, though, like uh, auto low latency mode, which we were just talking about. Uh, That's really nice when you have a game console or a PC hooked up, and the TV automatically senses when you're playing a game, and it switches the panel over to game mode, which has a lower input latency. So that's like the amount of time between when you hit a button on your controller and you see it actually happen on the screen. It kind of bypasses some of the computing that the TV does, and puts out the image more directly and more quickly. That would be nice to have. I do have to manually switch to game mode on my, on my TV, uh, which can be kind of annoying. But uh, there's also um, uh, HDMI 2.1, which is a current um, version of HDMI which allows for higher refresh rates and variable refresh rate. So that means your panel can um, display 120 frames per second instead of just 60 or something like that. Uh, Variable refresh rate really only comes into play when you're gaming again, uh, and you have to have a compatible console or PC to be able to support that, but it essentially lets the the console or the PC tell the display how fast it needs to refresh every second. And that helps eliminate screen tearing, which is kind of hard to explain, but um, if you've seen it, you know what I mean. It's basically like horizontal sections of the screen become uh, misaligned from each other, and it starts to just really become distracting if you've got... Something that tears a lot. Um, were you going to say something earlier, Josh? I
0: was going to say that my TV, it does have the auto low latency game mode. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to use it yet because I haven't gotten a chance to hook up my game consoles. Um, but I'm told by you that it's a kind of a game changer, no pun intended, <laughs> um, with the latency when playing games. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to point out was the the Hisense TV that I bought is one that I would have overlooked had you not recommended the brand to me. Kind of a diamond in the rough. Um, I'm extremely happy with it. I don't have it. Don't notice any sort of color banding or anything like that, or any of the spectrum issues that you were talking about with your TV. I'm sure you know you tend to have a keener eye for things like that than I do. So I'm sure if you came over and watched it, you might notice some of those things. But I haven't haven't noticed any of that yet.
1: Yeah. Well, it really only matters, you know, if you're happy with it or not. Um, I did skip over uh, QLED or QLED, which is basically just, you know, one of the VA usually panels um, with a kind, of, a kind of film over the pixels that allows it to have a little bit wider color gamut it allows it to display more colors um it's not really that special it's pretty common now um but it is something to consider uh it does give it a little bit more uh interesting color choice so you put on here about operating systems josh um I am a firm believer that I've never used a smart TV where the TV actually satisfied me. So, I, I always use wrong. separate. I always use a separate device for streaming. Um but there's the, you know, the Samsung or LG OS that's built into the TV. There's Roku TV and then there's Android TV. Those are kind of the major ones. I think Sony has their Oh, Sony is usually Android TV, I think, but um, I think we both agree that Android TV is kind of the best right now. Uh, Roku yeah, um, is probably a close second in my mind.
0: Yeah, the proprietary ones are pretty decent. My parents have an LG TV. Um, it's their LG system is a little bit more. They try to make it background, I think, instead of having like you know, instead of having like a home, they just have like a little dock that comes up for you to move between like apps and things like that. Uh The Roku is good and it's, you know, it's got all the pretty much all the apps that you could want or anything like that. But as you pointed out, when we were originally talking about this, um Dan is that Roku can be a little bit laggy. Sometimes it's not super responsive. You know, you, you hit the button on the remote, you wait, you know, a couple of seconds and then it finally moves over and does what you want it to do. Uh The other you know, drawback with the Roku TVs is they usually have that dinky little Roku remote that gets lost in couch cushions super easily. Um, I've actually been over the moon with my Android TV. It connects to all of my Google assistants really well. Uh, it connects to my phone really well. It's extremely easy to use. Uh, the, the model of TV that I have has a Bluetooth remote so I can, you know, talk to the Google assistant using the remote. I don't have to, you know, rely on, like, the TV being able to hear me or one of my Google assistants in another room being able to hear me. It's extremely responsive between the remote and the system, as well as, you know, moving through the different apps. They all work incredibly well. You know, the Netflix app on the Roku was kind of, kind of cloggy, kind of just kind of moved kind of sluggishly. Whereas on the Android TV, it, it moves quick. It, you know, you hit a button, it goes exactly to what you want it to do. Uh, the other thing that's cool is, you know, being able to tell your TV just to play House of Cards, and it just does it. You don't know, have to, you know, turn the TV on and then go to Netflix and then find House of Cards and then hit play. So I am over the moon with Android TV. Um, most Android TVs have a Chromecast built in, so I would tend to, you know, gravitate towards a TV that has the Android TV OS versus, like you said, you prefer... You know, kind of like a, you know, like a Chromecast that you can just plug into your TV or like an Xbox or something like that.
1: Yeah, and I think some of the performance differences you've noticed is uh, kind of more to do with the hardware rather than the software, because the Roku system on my TCL TV is noticeably sluggish, but my Roku Ultra is really fast, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the same you know system um i would say my roku ultra is maybe even a little better performance than my chromecast with google tv which i got because it supported dolby vision um which we'll get to in a second but uh i can't stand samsung <laughs> as far as their software um and lg and sony are just usually behind the times pretty far um, so, you know, it, it might take longer to get the HBO Max app available on your Samsung TV or, you know, once it is available, it won't support, you know, Dolby Atmos or, or I HDR. Mean, it's, it's a really, uh, messed up situation. And I decided to get hardware that was more readily, uh, supporting those apps and features.
0: I mean, in LG's defense, the state of the HBO Max app, we could do a whole other podcast on that, but I I think I've used it on the Xbox. I've used it on Roku. I've used it on my phone. It's all bad.
1: Yeah, it is. It's not (laughs) isolated to HBO Max, though. But, like, you know, when Disney Plus rolled out, it didn't have all the features on every piece of hardware, and you just kind of had to wait for a software update. Um, no,
0: but like I mean we're getting a little off topic here, but HBO Max is just a bad app. Like Disney Plus was just it was missing some features here and there, but it was for the most part usable. HBO Max is just a train wreck.
1: Well, it's not actually HBO Max, it's just HBO Now with a different name. <laughs> so they yeah. didn't actually make a new app, which is part of the problem.
0: Like the service is great, the service is great. It's got a lot of great stuff, but the, the app is, it's like, it's just mad at you for using it. It's like, how dare you?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, we digress.
1: Yeah. I, I think I saw a headline that said that they're, you know, rolling out actually new apps for, uh, hardware pretty soon. So hopefully they can figure it out. Um, moving on from that though, I'm still I've still just never used a TV operating system that I actually liked so that's why I have multiple devices that can do the things I want to do um, so I've already mentioned Dolby vision Dolby Atmos uh, those are two features for modern home theater systems that I can't live without uh, Dolby vision is a it's a codec for HDR content that allows the, uh, the metadata that says this is the brightest part of the scene and this is the dimmest part of the scene. It allows that data to change uh, at different parts of the content, whereas with HDR10, which is kind of the standard, uh, it has a static metadata... So it remains the same brightest content and the same dimmest content through the whole uh, piece of of work. Um, Dolby Vision also allows a wider color gamut. It allows brighter content. Uh, I think it's a fantastic technology. It's being widely used. Uh, there are competing technologies, but uh, Dolby Vision is kind of the the, the elephant right now. Um, same with Dolby Atmos, there is DTS X, which is a similar technology, but by DTS, uh, they both do pretty much the same thing, but, uh, I've got a Dolby Atmos enabled surround sound system, which is great. And I have a Dolby Vision-enabled TV, which is great. And I don't think I could go without either of those in the future now. Uh, Josh, you already mentioned Chromecast. It's always a great tool. Uh, even if you have an iDevice, uh, lots of apps within iOS or iPadOS allow you to cast to an Android device, whether it's a Chromecast or a, a Android TV. Uh, there's also ARC or ARC which stands for Audio Return Channel. That really only comes into play if you have an external audio device separate from your TV, whether that's a soundbar or an AV receiver. Um, It basically allows your TV to send back audio uh, to an audio device rather than just accepting it as an input. So if you're watching something... Know, streaming on your TV, on device, it can send out the audio from that content to an external uh, audio device, which is really useful. Uh, it's, that's something that I think is pretty standard now, but it's not something I would want to, well, I don't think I would be able to go without it. Uh, And then I already talked about HDMI 2.1, which hasn't fully become the standard yet. I think HDMI 2.0 is still kind of the standard, which only supports 4K resolution with HDR at 60 hertz. Um, HDMI 2.1 allows a much, much higher uh, bandwidth through through the cable as long as the device supports it. So that's what allows you to get a higher refresh rate, like 120 hertz. So, we've talked a lot already. um, But for most people, it just comes down to what size is it and how much does it cost. And essentially, I would urge you to do a little bit more research. I look at rtings.com. They have very in-depth reviews um, that provide you with enough data to figure out what you value in a TV and what you would need. Um, They also have a handy dandy TV size calculator which basically looks at how far away you would be sitting from your TV and recommends an optimum size for the TV. So, for instance, if your viewing distance is seven and a half feet from the TV, this recommends about a 55-inch display. And that's to basically fill 30 degrees worth of your viewing uh, field. So, if you're in a movie theater, it usually fills up a wider angle of your vision. But 30 degrees is a pretty good pretty good happy medium. Um, you know, it kind of ranges from 20 degrees to 50 degrees of what your field of view should see for your TV. But uh, essentially, you don't want to get a TV that's too small. I would say pretty much always just go big or go home um, when it comes to TV sizes, as long as you can fit it in your room reasonably. But uh, I think that's my general guidance. Uh, Josh, you just bought a TV. What did what went through your mind?
0: I would I would always say to I would encourage also encourage listeners to do a little bit more research. You know, don't exactly go for you know the LG or the Samsung just because they're kind of the foremost brands right now, or don't exact don't go for the Vizio because it's the cheapest. Um, I would encourage, you know, listeners to do a little bit more of the research on their own and find a TV that fits their budget but maybe has a little bit better features because if I hadn't done that, I would have gone with the same TCL Roku TV that I had before with the IPS panel. And that had a pretty decent picture, but, you know, it wasn't the best, whereas, you know, I was able to get this hisense tv which like i said earlier i never would have considered the hisense brand if you hadn't recommended them to me and it's an absolutely amazing tv it's got the the android os which i'm absolutely over the moon with it has basically no bezel on the sides or the top which is really nice like i never really thought about the bezel on a tv or a monitor before until you know i pretty much didn't have one and thought wow this is actually you know really nice um So it it was a bit of a diamond in the rough. It was about the same size as the other TV that I was going to buy, but has way better features. So it it pays to do your research for sure.
1: Yeah, don't just run out and buy the cheap LG or the cheap Samsung because they're not that great. Um, You know, the higher-end Samsung or the higher-end LG, yeah, they're fantastic. But if you're looking for a cheap TV, you know, maybe $500 and below, there are so many better options from brands like TCL or Hisense or, uh, probably Vizio. Uh, yeah.
0: At, at that price point with the LG and the Samsung, you're paying for the brand.
1: Yeah. They're not, they're not really worth it. No, they're not. But, uh, You are starting to see some 8K options, which just means, you know, there's about 8,000 pixels wide. Um, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, It took me a little while to hop on the 4K train, but uh, we're at the point where 4K is the standard. I wouldn't go below 4K there's good amount of content and selection for content that uh would deliver you an adequate experience. And even if you're watching, you know, standard definition or 1080p content, it still looks better on a 4K display. So, keep that in mind, but 8K is something that will be standard in the future, I'm sure, but uh I'm not there yet. Um HDMI 2.1 pretty much allowed us to be able to run 8K content, but uh, the amount of bandwidth is huge for an 8K picture to be displayed on one of those. Um, and also, your TV would need to be really large for you to notice any significant benefits. If you're talking about pixel density, you would want you know a very big TV.
0: Well, that and- 4K content is still relatively new. Like I don't even know that we're that, you know, content creators are to the point of 8K yet. So
1: yeah, I mean, content creators are probably recording at 8K, but they're not mastering at 8K and they're certainly not distributing at 8K. They're, you know, mastering at 6K or or 4K and then distributing at 4K or 1080p. So, right. oh, definitely something that'll come into play in the future. But uh, you know, for now, if you want to future-proof yourself a little bit, um, you could go with something that has HDMI 2.1 and uh, enhanced audio return channel, and that should give you pretty solid features. And for sure, make sure it has the the Dolby Suite of Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. Uh, if you're an enthusiast, if you don't care, then get the biggest one you can, I guess.
0: (laughs) Size matters.
1: For sure. Size does matter. Uh, I don't really have, have anything else, Josh. Uh, did you have anything else?
0: Nope. On that bombshell, I believe it is time to end.
1: All right. Well, have fun and, uh, go watch some TV, I guess.
0: Have a good one, folks.